Hello there, welcome to Jenny and Paul Sellout, episode number 15. I'm Paul Riesmandel, one half of your sellout team. My co-host Jenny Benevento will be here in just a moment. On this episode, we take up adulthood. What it means to be an adult, why some people don't think they can handle adulthood, and how it relates to lawnmowers, vacuums, and other durable goods. Joining us for this conversation is Alan Knutson, PhD, helping to raise the credential inflation for this podcast one more notch. So keep that MP3 rolling and keep listening. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Paul. And welcome, Ellen. Hello, Paul. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Ellen. Hello, Ellen. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Ellen Knudsen, PhD. Uh, we, we, we like That's right, to, we're classing up the joint. We like to keep the... Uh, our guests have to meet a certain qualification. <laughs> that we do not meet. That we do not meet. <laughs> hey, we're the ones calling the shots here. <laughs> exactly. We Hello. can hire doc. We can hire people with doctors. Well, I think actually overall, though, I mean, Toby has a master's degree. Yes. Cyrus has a master's degree. Kyle has a PhD. So, you know, by and large, we're, we're definitely keeping the, uh, the credential inflation going. It's true. I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, someone has to have a couple of PhDs or a PhD or maybe, I mean, we would accept someone who had a, um, a JD and an, and an LLM. Yeah, or what about an MD-PhD? That's just yeah. what I was yeah. going to say, MD-PhD. Yeah. That's yeah, what we, we need. start trolling for those. That's what we need. Or like, we could just branch out to other kinds of doctorates, like a JD mm-hmm. or, you know. Or, you know, even an EDD. <laughs> OPP. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> we'll get someone. Anyway. Get a dentist. Yeah. I, I'll ask my dentist. He's cool. You know, yeah, your dentist. Um, and there is uh, the Ska Show on WNUR is uh, hosted by an orthodontist. Awesome. My orthodontist has tons of letters next to his name. Yeah, sometimes they do. Sometimes they have Including right. PhD. Wow. So, I mean, you get the, usually they have a DDS and they have the doctor of orthodontia, which I think is OD, and then a PhD. And then, yeah, I guess you could pick up a couple of master's degree in the process. My my dentist only talks to me about trash TV and how he doesn't eat dinner when he goes home. He just eats junk food. <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. And, you know, it makes me feel better about going to the dentist because you're like a normal guy. But it also concerns me. That he only eats junk food? Yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm here late. Sorry, I'm, you're missing dinner. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I don't I don't eat a real dinner. Is he just, just has chips? I just go home and eat junk food. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's maybe, good for his teeth. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't admit that. Yeah, my orthodontist, it's a DDS, MS, MS, PhD. So he's got two, two masters, masters of science. That's weird. Don't put... That's weird. That's, or, may, or maybe he's a masters of super mega science. <laughs> yeah, but like... That's or like a master of science and a master of something else with an S. Yeah, I guess so. That's just I mean, bragging. I mean, a master of smiles. Ugh. I bet he has a lot of loans, though. <laughs> I bet he does. Yeah, that's why he needs all he, those letters. You're not going to get that many assistantships and scholarships. Just Mm-mm. never going to go through here. No. Well, as the least credentialed person in the room. Yes. I now call number. Uh, what are we at? Number uh, fifteen. Number yeah. fifteen Lucky order. 15. No one thought we'd do it, Jenny. I don't think I don't I, think anyone I don't it wasn't like we were challenged. No, but you make it sound like people were in the streets rioting saying but, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But how many podcasts just make it to about number 4 and then that's it, right? It's always like 1 and 2 real fast, maybe 1 2 3 real fast and then it's a long time 
and then four, and then that's it. It's because they've never um, contracted out two people with doctorates. Okay, I guess you got you got to bring in got to bring in yeah. the overeducated. Um, and, and so, Ellen, your uh, your PhD. Is I in, am a PhD. Is in, is in in library and information science. The best science. We've got a lot of yeah. We get a lot of librarians where, in here. It's where you learn how to change the date on the date stamp. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's information. Mm-hmm. So you got to apply some science. Well, Chicago is a librarian heavy town. In addition to myself being a librarian and you being married to a librarian, thus us knowing. A lot of librarians. Maybe just because um, both you and Ellen went to library school. No, I know, but in, in addition to that, I know a lot of librarians who I did not know okay. via library means. So why is Chicago such a librarian-heavy town? Well, we have two library schools in the state, so that's that helps. Not every state has a library school. Right. Well, I mean, you know, of course not Wyoming. I don't know about Wyoming. Does, like, New York Indiana? has a lot of them. Uh, mm. Yeah, University of Indiana, Bloomington yeah. has a library school. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if, if you have uh, at least one, and we have one in the city, so it's very hard to find a library school in the city. In the city? Well, across the street or something. Uh, It's like five blocks from the city. It's really? Yeah. Benedictine? Is that it? No, No, it's, um, Dominican. Dominican is in in River Forest. Oh, okay. I thought it was further south. Oh, I I mean, Chicago is an enormous city. Yeah, I just thought it was further west. It is. It's far west, but it's like north in Harlem. Okay. Oh, all right. Yep, that's sure. That's right across the street. Spitting distance. Yeah. Hockaloogie on the librarians there, right from the L platform. Right, so there's a lot of librarians. And then, you know, there's a big public library. So if mm-hmm. you... And the American Library Association headquarters. Oh, yes. True. That's right. That's true. And a lot of associations, like medical associations, are in town. Mm-hmm. So that brings with it some, a lot some of lawyers. dirty, dirty Yeah, archivists. and like the, the Urban Library Association, that's not what they're called, but that's what they are there in Chicago. Oh, because of JET. That's that's why because it's a magazine Jet. Oh really? Yeah, I guess it. A yeah. lot of it, Jet and a few other magazines were here, and they like started a bunch of like archival mm-hmm. stuff. And large corporations bring librarians as well. They usually have corporate libraries yeah. at the very least, if not also some sort of archival efforts. So, all right, I'm convinced now. It, this is a uh, this is a librarian. It's not town. just nepotism. <laughs> no, not just nepotism, and and the six degrees of separation. <laughs> At work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not much other news. You, you keep traveling. I do. I'm done, though. I'm done. Yeah. Where'd you, you were in... I went to Vegas. I went to Minneapolis. You went to, so, you, so you went to to the other fake city. I did. I went to the other fake city. Was it better than uh, Orlando? Was it better than I, the uh, Magic uh, Kingdom? Uh, I Well, I always enjoy Vegas. So it has neon. So that's that makes it better. You, you like booze. downtown? I do love downtown. Yeah, downtown's better. Um, I like all of it. I like all of it. I ate a lot of delicious French food um, at really? Bouchon. Oh, yes, at Bouchon. Really good. I had um, some, some, you know, buffets. I didn't really gamble. I've never really done any of the fancy restaurants in Vegas. It's really great. That's what everyone tells me, actually, who goes. I it's mean, super, it's like far more approachable than, you know, in their original towns. Hmm. Yeah, I have a colleague who keeps trying to get me to go to the National Association of Broadcasters uh, convention, which happens in March, and it's, it takes over the city. It's just, you know, it's it's the television, film, uh, radio, and other sorts of things. And, um, yeah, it takes over several casinos, the whole convention center, and he keeps trying to convince me to go, partially so that he'd have someone to go with and go to dinner with. But um, that's what he tries to lure me in. He goes, <laughs> go eat a Bobby Flay's with me. 
the Neon Museum is up now, so that's exciting. You can see the Neon Museum. And then I went to the Pinball Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is awesome. And ironically, full of, like, only machines that were, you know, made maybe three miles from my where I grew up. Here. Oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> so, uh, which Which funny. company was here? Um, Bally's is Bally's. here. And also... D something. Midway? DG, Midway is here, and then Gottlieb is here. Gottlieb, yeah. yeah. Are any of them still, still uh, kicking? One of them is. I don't. I think they make they make casino games now. They make like right. slot yeah, machines. Right, yeah, that's what yeah. all the money is. Yeah. So like, there are still a lot of slot machine games, game companies in town. Yeah. And it's that kind of town, even though all, they get all get shipped to Vegas. Of course, now they're getting shipped everywhere. Yep. You know, they're trying to bring casino gaming to, to Chicago, for Pete's sake. Our, uh, our lovely mayor is so that that's a whole different topic so you're there you're in minneapolis too right yep minneapolis ate some delicious food was it also well. to, just to see friends or yeah uh you know uh vegas i don't know anyone who lives in vegas but i like going to vegas and some friends were going uh minneapolis yeah just a friend was in town so it's only a short less than an hour flight there so i went up it's very snowy there there's like three. There's like two feet of snow lying around. Yeah. It, once it weird. once it starts, it just it just doesn't stop up there in the Twin Cities. I don't know. We went to New Jersey. That's uh, it was, and we went to Broadway. Oh, cool. We saw Vita, um, Kyle, Skip, and my uh, and my mom and dad. Awesome. Did you enjoy Vita? Yeah, I mean, I knew what I was in for. It's god awful expensive. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> if you want reserved seats in advance, yeah, you're just in for it. But it was fine. And we went. And then we had delicious Mexican food. Delicious. Which in New York stymies me. The idea that you could eat delicious Mexican food. Yeah, it's this uh, restaurant called Pompano, um, which is Richard Sandoval. And he has restaurant. He started out in Colorado. um, But now he's got Colorado, New York, and I think probably LA or Arizona, somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. So he really comes from the Southwest. Yeah. Uh, But but the specialty um, at Pompano is, is seafood. Which makes more sense yeah, in, in New York awesome. compared to Denver. Yes. So it was good. And and for New York, you know, for New York in a sort of semi-celebrity restaurant, not bad, you know. I mean, you could have gone to the Guy Fieri restaurant. Which could have gone to the Guy I Fieri restaurant. I hear is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just gone for the donkey sauce. No. <laughs> Who gets that? That sounds so terrible. Some ass. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to put that in the show notes. The uh, if for anyone who hasn't seen the world's greatest New York Times restaurant <laughs> review of Guy Fieri, I don't even know what he calls it. He calls the restaurant. No. no, but I mean, I I think there was like a little backlash that was like, "You're going to the Guy Fieri restaurant? Like, what do you expect in but Times I, Square?" But you noticed though that it, that the review was really like, you know, this is kind of crappy no matter what. Not even like I'm holding you to the right. same standard as. As a three-star restaurant. Which is stunning to me. I mean, yeah. I think that's the most surprising part. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, if he's got an incompetent, you know, sort of staff and isn't really himself watching the quality control, because that's the thing that happens. And he's with not these... actually a chef. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, he owns it. I mean, there is no qualification to be a chef. Right. But, I mean, he did not cook before. He, he did. Didn't he win? Yeah, but he like was he won the reality television show to become the host. Yeah, right? but he had a restaurant. Oh, okay, it was his restaurant. I, I think it was so. Just like a yeah. shorter or a cook kind of. Yeah, guy. I think he had a restaurant in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I do think he has you know as much credential. Yeah, as no, that's reasonable. Anybody else? But yeah, I'm not a big fan of the food. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been there, but I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> One, because it's in Times Square. Yeah, that's just a terrible place and, to eat things. And two, 
there's not a bad little uh, Belgian place just off Times Square called BXL. Yeah, I've been there. Good muscles. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's a good place. But yeah, it's tucked away. You have to know it's there. But yeah, and second, yeah, Guy Fieri don't have much tolerance for him. No. I was always surprised that apparently Andrew Zimmer, the guy who eats anything, he has kind of like chef credential. And I'm wondering where did that come from? I don't know, but he's really into Minnesota. He's from Minneapolis, and he's super into it. He, okay. like, talks about it all the time. We made latkes tonight, and I glanced at his recipe online. Just I didn't use it, but just just for a little bit of... Uh... Did it have, like, squid eyes or something? No, no, it was pretty straightforward. Hmm. It was a pretty straightforward uh, latkes recipe. I'm like, when did this guy all of a sudden... I thought he was just a guy who ate strange shit. Yeah, I, I thought he was, like, you know, like... On a dare, kind of like a Fear Factor style. Yeah, so I don't know when he started eating normal food mm. or, or got credential credentials for making normal food. Anyway, all right, so we're here. Uh, the, the topic for today is adulthood because uh, everyone in this room is, I think, qualifies legally as an adult yes. In, in, yes. in all 50 states, uh, probably most foreign lands. Sure. Most places on Earth, uh, and in fact, I think we are are all at least uh, into our third decade, if not more. So, yes. in my case, yeah. in my case, mm-hmm. well, lady does not. Uh, <laughs> it's not asked. You were thirty nine. So seriously, today I was reading an article about millennial women in the workplace and how that they're generally quite confident and blah blah blah, and. See this picture of this woman, and it lists her name as 29 years old. and Or it lists her name and then says she's 29 years old. And I think to myself, she doesn't qualify as a millennial. She's only a couple years younger than me. And I'm nowhere near a millennial. And then I went, oh, I am not 31. <laughs> Which is, at that moment, exactly how old I thought I was. Generation X. <laughs> Apparently... Apparently, the last decade has just passed me by. <laughs> but you are you are younger than Ethan Hawke. You're younger than Winona Ryder. You're younger than all of Soundgarden. So, you know, that's a gener- these Generation X mm-hmm. touchstones. I see. You see? I see. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I All I know is, like, I dyed my hair pink, and then now I get it carded everywhere, and it's... Annoying. And ladies pass you uh, little drawings of yourself. Yeah, ladies in, uh, hit on me bus. on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> via index card. <laughs> she must listen. She must be a Merlin Man fan. I know. I, I was like, no one. So I was. On She's the bus. getting things done. I know. I was on the bus and a woman passed me an index card with a little drawing of me, and you know, you're cute. Um, which I was like, wow. You really got, like, you hit all the high points here for me. Like, you got an index card. You got an adorable little drawing. You are too weird to speak to me. Was she cute? Yeah, she was cute. But I don't actually even know if it was her. She just handed yeah, it to me. Okay. So I don't really it even know been who like, it was. It could have been, like, you know, like, in class handing the notes around. Right. Like, know? someone was like, hey, can you hand that lady that note? Mm-hmm. But here's here's a tip. This is I think this is a great strategy. You see someone in public, hand them a note. A little cute drawing of themselves, especially if you can draw things, which I cannot. Put some contact info in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey. You know, it's funny that, that we do give pretty good relationship advice or, or dating advice here in the program. It doesn't happen. We drip it out. We, we, right. you know, it comes out in drips and drabs. Right. But, but we have the one, um, if you get a lady in your dorm room. 
don't to listen play to guitar. to listen to you play guitar. Don't play it for very long. No, like know that that was maybe perhaps a a context to help to kind of put together the situation. But sure. that if she stays, it's not because she wants to keep no, listening to the guitar. No one wants that. And then two, Ever. If, Ever. if you're going to pass a cute little note, we're absolutely drawing of somebody that's very nice. Uh, Phone contact. number. Yeah, Twitter handle. Twitter even. handle. Yeah, if you, email if you wanna, address. Now there's so many different ways. You don't have to get all too personal, but. So is this, I didn't know if this was a passive aggressive way to make me do a missed connection, which I did, but then uh, no one, yeah. no one really responded. But on, and, and where do they do those now? Craigslist. Craigslist? Okay. Do they do it in like the reader? They still do it in the reader, yeah. Okay. If you're old. <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> I got so excited I hit the mic. That was just the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Looks like the mic is not too tight there. It is it's not. kind of drooping. Not. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that would, I think index cards to ladies on the bus, if you like a dorky lady, that's a good, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Or a dorky fellow. Yeah, right. No, I'm sure some, uh, like a nerdy fellow would have been completely charmed. I'm actually going to start handing out index cards that say you're cute and mm-hmm. have my phone number. I think it will drastically. You should have some made up in advance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I agree. With cute little drawing, what you could do actually. Get someone to. Draw cute little things, or, or like sort of like a uh, sort of like a template head, and you can fill in the details. <laughs> just just put on the hair, <laughs> right? You know, right? Some eyes. Yeah, already has a nose and a mouth. You? Is there a code in the bottom of your <laughs> <index> card? <laughs> because that's your um, redemption code. Yeah, exactly. Seven <laughs> A. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember you. Took some notes. Okay. <laughs> Um, that is some that is some dating advice. I know it's great. We, uh, it's great dating advice. We, so if anyone has success or or no success or at least tries it, I uh, gotta let us know. Quick exit too. I think that's a key point mm. because then if they don't, I mean, I think anyone's gonna like that card mm-hmm. in general as long as it's not like you're cute. I want to I want to wear your skin. Yeah, um, probably not. But uh, quick exit mystery. Right, and then it's they can follow up or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. and you can, you know, you not can awkward for anyone. Staple a Starbucks card on there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you go to enough conferences, and you're like, you just get those like water, right? Right. You know, a nice little bonus. It's maybe, true. maybe you get the coffee together. Let's go get coffee. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. see? Yeah. <laughs> or you could uh, ten cent off on a wrap card. <laughs> yeah, sure. We have yeah. a coupon for ten cents yeah. off a wrap card. If someone gave me ten cents off a, a UMTV wraps card, I I would. And I would be very psyched about that. Dr. Kyle Reeswindell, are you listening? First, I would say, I would think, was this Dr. Kyle Reeswindell? And then I would be like, you know, oh, this I think, is not. I think we've just given Kyle his, uh, his next dating strategy <laughs> when he's on New Jersey Transit. <laughs> there you go. On his way to Newark every day. He needs to just take out the rap cards and, and uh, write a little something. It's from maybe a specific audience. I don't yeah. know. I'm I don't just, know. But, but it's a great filter. Yeah. Right? Because if someone likes that, they're probably someone you might like. Whereas if they think it's stupid and turned off, well, then or you, if, you Or if they're too out. young to understand what MTV yeah. raps is, then you you filter out illegal jailbait. That's too. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's important. So uh, <laughs> back to being an adult. <laughs> right. So, We've wait, given what? out the dating advice of the week. Sure. Uh, so, so Jenny, uh, you were really itching to tell us why why this topic came to came to mind. Yeah, so we have sort of a list where I we we all put in topics that were sort of people have brought up or we've brought up. And I guess for me, this idea, I I see this trend where um, everyone I know is like, oh, shouldn't I be good at being an adult by now? Or um, I can't even feed myself. 
you know, like, how are people having children? You know, things like that where, where it's sort of, there's pride taken in the fact that you're bad at being an adult. And I'm sure, I and I think part of it is definitely, you know, that we've, you sort of realize at some point that your parents didn't have everything together, you know, like they're adults, but like being an adult is not just as as together as you thought it was when you were maybe 12 or something. But um, I kind of see it as sort of a repeat of like when, when I was in grade school and, you know, I really liked some, I was really excited about studying something in class and I kind of got that impression from my classmates, like it's not cool to admit you're good at doing something or it's not cool to admit you're digging this really kind of responsible thing. Um, so I think for me, that's what it, what it interests me about it, whether, whether first of all, why is it why is it cool to to be like man i'm bad at being an adult and are we actually much worse at being adults than like previous generations before us or is that just something that we think we are mm, or do we just simply have uh, uh the privilege if you will yeah. of not of not necessarily having to have the same responsibilities in the same way or as quickly right yeah. right like my mom had three kids at like 25 so. Right, and and certainly she had the the freedom to not do that, but it was significantly more societal pressure, it's, uh, right. I'm sure, um, on her than than there was on either you nor me. Right, and it's um, you know part of why uh, I was interested in coming on this podcast on the topic of adult um, was getting actually. Um, sort of annoyed or frustrated about what people consider are the markers of adulthood. Um, and it's, it's not, um, it's not quite the, I don't want to be responsible, but you know, so what does it mean to be an adult? And I don't know, a couple, it's probably been years ago now. I don't think it was months. I think it's been years. Um, there's a New York times magazine article about uh, um, sort of the lengthening of adolescence. Um, and part of the reason why they were saying that there's the lengthening of adolescence is because the mark- people aren't going through the markers of adulthood as quickly as they used to. Like, so such so as marriage and children. Marriage and children and, you know, finishing your education, um, moving out of your parents' house. Buying a house, I assume. Yeah. Um and like of those uh um markers I was like huh <laughs> like I'm only ever going to meet some of these markers uh and yet I don't but I don't think that those are meaning that I'm never going to make it to adulthood <laughs> right I, it's I mean, never going to happen for you <laughs> um apparently not um and then so today I was looking at uh um, more things that were kind of about what does it mean to be an adult um and i will never i will i mean i'm always gonna fall down on the whole um having a child being a parent which seems to be a clear uh um you know Marker. thing that people are like oh yeah that's clearly. a checkbox and i'm like hmm and yet you can have a child at you know age 14 or um, and i would argue like not being able to use birth control well does not seem right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, Making a like, conscious choice to have a child is a little bit different, you know? Um, and uh, also the... Um, 
uh, like h- how you go through these stages, you know, and of course being the overeducated person in the room. Um, and so how long I spend in school. So like, you know, so one marker of adulthood is that you finish your studies. Well, what does that mean? You know, if you're, uh, you know, if you finish your high school, that's, you know, something, uh, you know, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, PhDs. Um, I think it's not at all uncommon for people getting PhDs to be finishing in their mid to late 30s. Well, and even after that, you know, how many years until you actually get a tenure track position? Like, I have a college roommate who is a historian, and she went pretty much directly from college to grad school and then has been looking for a job for the past, like, seven years and finally got a real actual tenure track position. But, yeah, until this time, which she's 33... She hasn't really been able to, like, start adulthood life, <laughs> like, you know? So, I mean, yeah, that's a great Well, but it, it's sort of, I mean, I, right. I, I would push As, back on that I a mean, little bit. I mean, not on, by my terms, you know, but because yeah. Because it's like, I, it seems to me that one notion of adulthood is being settled down. Right. And that is looking at a specific lifestyle that, you know, this is a lifestyle you should aspire to. You know, if you're, if you want to move every five years... Um, so you can experience different places and do different things. Not, not, not adult like. You know, um, if you uh, don't want to uh, um, be on a um, sort of a linear career path, not adult like. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the definitions are in flux, obviously, and I think that that's sort of indi- indicative in in what you bring to. The- what you brought up before uh, Jenny in that because people are, are, you know, there are people who are almost saying, well, I'm not an adult and I can barely take care of myself. Cause I think that's partially a reaction to right. The, the tension around adulthood, right. Which, you know, I say that by the way, I'm not judging people. Who yeah. Say that. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, but I think, right. Is that in, in these changing senses, right. So for those of us who, who grew up primarily in the seventies and eighties, you know, we were sort of inheriting a lot of the the fairly significant change of the '60s and social mores, right? When when people were pushing back against the patriarchy, in particular, um, you know, and women and and standing up for women's roles, which which sort of means which really was shattering a certain version of adulthood, right? That you would, as a woman, settle down, raise children. That would be your primary occupation for most of your life. At that point, was still kind of considered what it would be, you know. And, you know, and then for, for men, there was this other version of adulthood that you would have a family, but that you would be the salary man or you would have the full-time job and you could expect certain privileges and you could expect certain obligations. And that's adulthood. And that sort of, you know, began to be shattered in the 60s, changed in the 70s and has been sort of, at this point, I don't think we've seen, my, we haven't seen an epoch of massive change in any given moment, but there's been a constant change, I think, in in the time period. Of course, which also, you know, puts aside how what we know is the traditional family was probably only true for a maximum of 50 years prior to the to the baby boom generation as well but anyway i'm just sort of putting it out because i think what we're we get faced with is 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 you're still sort of faced with this uh notion of adulthood that some of it is very sticky right and part of it is that idea of like you get a job you know, you settle down, whatever that means. And maybe there's flexible notions around it, but it still has particular markers. But eventually you really do that. And then I think for some of us, uh, you're sort of like, well, screw that, right? You're not, I don't, I don't want to do that. 
Right. Well, and I, or, you know, you, you have a quote unquote midlife crisis or a, mm-hmm. I think they, the quarter, quarter life crisis is yes, what they right. came up with. Yeah. Right? Well, I do think that there are like things that legitimately uh, most people I know would not consider like a marker that re- you are required to do to be an adult, have children, get married, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think still in our age groups, I think like still, if you do that, it does seem like, whoa, that's pretty adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think it does. Even if people get married, like to someone overnight, you know, <laughs> on their third date, like I think it still is like, wow, that's a serious. Like they made a decision, you know. It still seems somewhat adult. Um, but I think there are things that, and of course, there are always going to be people who think like until you have children, you're not you're not an adult. Um, but those people like are dicks, and I can't really. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. I don't think reason applies to them. But I mean, I do think that there are clear examples in both my life and then people I know where things that I think we can all agree are like markers people should be hitting mm-hmm. that I know tons of people who aren't hitting those. So markers. what are the, what are those? Um, moving out of your parents' house. And I think that one's double edged because I think there's a time when if you live with your parents, you're it's it's considered really negative. And then there's a time, you know, when your parents are elderly, when it's considered extremely adult to live right. with your parents. You, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. Um, getting a job of any sort. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, you know, having some life goal. And whether- when you say that getting a job, you mean sort of electing to get a job. Yes. As, I mean- as opposed to somebody who is perhaps, you know, for whatever reason, truly having difficulty getting a job. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm accepting people who are like, oh, I've chosen to raise my children obviously that's Mm -hmm. not you know that's clearly a decision you're making or you know i'm having trouble finding a job people like i know a lot more people than i'm sure my parents knew who are just like "Eh, i haven't found my career yet and mm-hmm. you're, or I haven't found my passion in well, life yet. How are they yet. feeding themselves? Well, yeah, that I mean, that's a great question. But like, at 35, you shouldn't be like. <laughs> I could see if you were like, man, I tried something, it didn't work out. I'm moving on to something. Well, what else. A, what about what about something more along the lines of, well, I just need enough money to get by, and then I'm happy with no, that. that. But that's a choice. Like, okay, I'm so talking you're talking about, about the making that are not choices. Cho- things yeah. are not things that are like electing to not elect. <laughs> you know, right? The idea that like not letting everything eh, be a default. Yeah, right, right, right. And I mean, you can probably have a job and be in, or I know you can have a job and be in default in that as well. Mm -hmm. But I guess I know far more people who are being supported maybe by their significant other or still their parents Mm -hmm. at like an age over 30 (laughs) who are uh, just just not making a choice. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there was, you know, and I I think it would, we would be mistaken to think that that those were not things that existed, have existed all along, right? And I think that they're probably, at this point, the culture is more permissive, right? And I think that there's a level at which if you were like, you know, if you were in a town and you were, you know, the the guy who's still living in his parents' basement kind of thing being, you know, people that would be thought, you would be thought of as a loser or weird or... Undateable. Or or undateable. And, and, you know, it would be a lot of pejorative things. And I think at this point... You know the culture is more permissive, and I and I, I would argue in favor of that permissiveness. It, it wouldn't you wouldn't be you know quite so so looked down upon in the same way, um, you know because in part because you know people do end up there for reasons beyond their control. But well, and the millennial thing you brought up sort of 
struck a chord with me because I see this more in guys than I do in women. Like, almost every accomplished woman I know is dating or married to one of these dudes. <laughs> so. Hey, I aspire to being one of these dudes. Right? <laughs> I know, I know, Paul. I can hook you up with like five dudes, and they're gonna they're gonna be like meh careers. Well, let's you know, I mean, it's interesting because it's sort of um, you know I've I've read more, and it seems to be. More about guys who are about a decade younger than I. Guys yeah. closer to 30 than 40. Yeah. Because it, it's sort of, um, it's a Julie, Julie Klausner had a book. Um, she's a podcaster and comedian. But uh, basically, it's sort of a, a, a memoir of all the shitty guys and bands that she's dated. <laughs> right. Basically, man children. Right. You know, right. Uh, <laughs> I forget I forget the name of the book. It's But, uh, it, it, you know, and there's been New York Times style section. Uh, articles about sort of the, the the sort of the man child sort of experience and not not the sort of totally irresponsible man child but the bit sort of like yeah I'm 30 and I don't really know what I'm well doing. but even the fact that that has to be a term that like the New York yeah. Times uses I don't I mean, think they I think use man child right, I know I know but I mean like I think obviously yes has it always probably existed sure why is it like extremely prevalent now or at least, yeah, it seems seems to have some prevalence. Well, and know. why is it not affecting women, but it is affecting guys as much, you know, to the extent? Uh, because women are putting up with it. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, like, but I mean, they could also not be working mm-hmm. and, you know, asking their parents for money. But like, I, why is that, you know, why is, I, I think our stereotype in culture, I don't think this is just based on people I personally know, mm-hmm. but um, is n- there's almost no stereotype of like, girls who sit around on the couch playing halo <laughs> instead of getting a job you know so well whatever I, the equivalent well, of that i think well you know in a way i mean the the uh, uh, a mirror image of it but i don't want to completely put this forward would be women who go ahead and get married right and, sure. and and you know but of course they if they have children end up actually taking on quite a bit more labor right. uh than these men assuming they're childless right um because i think some of some of these men are choosing now to become Fathers. House husbands, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to be becoming fathers yeah. and, and and choosing this to be stay home parents, sure. which which is labor. And I think that that for women, yeah, there's definitely. always been this sort of out, right, and right. a very societally acceptable out to say, okay, well, I'll get married and I'll have children, and that will be what I do, and and that's good. I mean, that's real labor. I mean, there's that there's uh, yeah, I'm not course. putting that down at all. Um, and for men, there hasn't been quite the same out right and and to say well i'm not really interested in being careerist you know sure i'll have a job or i won't have a job or something but you know i'm not ready to quite buy into all of that where do you go what do you do with that and i agree a lot of it's there's like no choice you know it's just not making choices kind of thing yeah and i would um you know just to get back to what jenny was saying about you know sort of what are what are these markers of, of adulthood you know and i i think more so than how that marker might play out it's more that i'm making a choice i'm taking a responsibility for the choice that i've made um i think is for me sort of a marker of being adult like i mean that, that, yeah it seems to be exactly what what jenny's been implying mm-hmm. right and the same thing and i i would agree because i've been sort of I've always had a very strong uh, notion of adulthood going back to when I was a child. 
partially when I was a child, I really didn't like other children particularly much. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, I that's a bit severe. I mean, I had friends and, you know, I hung out with other kids, but I didn't often, I often really didn't like other kids. It's specifically because of, of not being mature. And I don't, I'm not going to claim that I was that mature, right? <laughs> Probably was a lot less mature than I thought I was. But in certain ways, I learned how to function with adults. And I often had, you know, beginning from about age 12 or 13, I always had like a summer job of some kind, whether it was, you know, whatever I was legally able to have. And it was always one in which I was presumed to be older than I was, mostly by the way I behaved and I could sort of comport myself, you know, sort of adult-like, um, even if I was still a kid and, and still, you know, not mature. And, you know, it, I always had this sense of what it meant to be an adult. And I and it, for me, right, it had not, it had nothing to do with the markers. It had everything to do with how you behave. It had, you know, having your shit together is yeah. I mean, yeah, this having like- your shit together in a way, and 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 not even just even having your shit together, but also, I mean, I would say I would sum it up as taking responsibility. I would say that would be yeah. be the the fundamental core to it was being willing to take responsibility for yourself and and wh- whatever predicament you've got yourself into. Which doesn't mean I, you know, didn't ever have mom and dad bail me out of something or go to my mom and dad for advice. But certainly by the time I was about 18 years old, I, I really felt very strongly that it was that it was me for it. And, and I don't know whether I got this from my folks or, wh- or where this came from. But, it, you know, it was definitely uh, something I felt strongly about. And certainly in college, I, I mean, the friends I ended up being, uh, people I was friends with ended up, in their own way, having that same kind of feeling about things. It was, and it was interesting to me because it's not always something you find in other people in college. <laughs> well, but I think you get this sort of like but while you're in college, maybe, or even before that, you know, you go to someone's house and you're like, that's pretty adult. They have, you know, real furniture or mm-hmm. insert whatever it is, you know, a blender. I don't know. Um, and then I think eventually you get around to the other side of that where you're like, Ooh, they still have this kind of thing. I was just about to say futon, but then <laughs> Ellen is sitting on a futon. Uh, <laughs> you know, like they still have a futon. That's so not adult. You know, and, but I think the for, while the latter has come, the former has not really gone away. And I would have assumed by this time, like, you know, I wouldn't. It's not even people's houses, but like in situations where you're like, wow, that's pretty adult. Like in your head, like, man, that's a lot of responsibility. Like buying a Lexus. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that's super adult. But, uh, like, adopting a kid. That's yeah, super right. adult. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, and it's a lot harder to do than, than just, uh, you know, birthing one. Right. Like, I uh, from, from a cert, from, a, from a, a paperwork standpoint. Right. You know, it seems, like, really difficult. Right? Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I, offhandedly, I'm not, I, I can't think of a ton of things. Building a house. Mm-hmm. You know, like, contracting with someone to build a house. Like, extensive things that you have to day-to-day show up give money to you know those those sorts of things that require i think ongoing responsibility yeah you know the kind of things that like the reason why your parents wouldn't give you a pet because it's you know a day-to-day responsibility Mm -hmm. i mean it's the same thing but i think it's funny i would have thought by this age that sort of stuff would have gone away Mm -hmm. you know it's funny and yet you know it's when i reflect back say on my own parents right to the extent to which you're you sort of privy to to these things you know you you it's more in in retrospect. I can see these moments when they were befuddled and they didn't know what to do, or you know, when they were a little overwhelmed, or you know, they were they were facing something and and had for the first time and had to really kind of muddle their way through it. And you weren't you don't really aware of it as a kid because you, you don't they have everything together. Well, yeah, and you don't really assume. understand, yeah. right? You, you, I mean, it just doesn't 
you don't quite understand. But you know, in in retrospect, I can kind of see how how that happens. And of course, now as an adult, right, you can see how your parents now are sometimes befuddled by things and don't know what to do. And you're or sort of like really bad decisions. Or made like, bad decisions I, I don't know. I have that cases. experience. Yeah, like, right. Where it's like, oh, you, we should have talked about that. Since <laughs> <Yeah, right, laughs> I was like ten, so that probably would have helped then. Yeah, and and in. And right, you don't really recognize it until you've been through similar things yourself. And it's the kind of thing which I don't think you even realize at like 18 or 19 and maybe start realizing when you're in your 30s. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are choices that they made, which I like in retrospect, I'm like, that doesn't seem weird. Why did you do that? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think there is that, you know, realizing your parents are fallible sort of thing. But there are still things my parents did that I, and not just my parents, but other adults who I know who are older, uh, who did things that I guess, you know, just a day-to-day basis that I don't really have together. Such as? I I mean, I guess I feel like, and again, I think maybe it's similar to the idea of, like, finding out about love in only romantic comedies. (laughs) You have this sort of idea of, like what love is then you actually like date someone and you're like oh this is not like what this Mm -hmm. is about at all um and i think adulthood is very much that way when you're a kid too because you read like picture books that talk about adults you know like the man in the yellow hat or something Mm -hmm. and you're like oh adults have everything together and your parents give you food and they are in control of all this stuff and you know especially if you, you you are a kid you know parents people adults who are parents have to do a lot of things on a time schedule regularly mm-hmm. to keep a kid alive. And all that stuff seems very important. I don't think I could do that. I don't <laughs> think I could keep a child alive. I, I don't think... I mean, per, yes, obviously, if I liked a child and I had one, yeah, I, mean, you know, I probably it's, wouldn't it's, let well, it I, die. I, I, think that, I think that that is... A lot of dumb people do it, and I get that. Yes, so I, I think that... You probably could do it. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel better. And, and, and but it's and I I think that your analogy of like you know learning about about love through romantic comedies is is um, correct. I, I mean that, or it, certainly it's this question about you know well, what does it mean to be an adult, and if. There aren't these markers, which I don't think that they there are, or that Anymore. the marker, or that the markers aren't aren't apropos of anything really. <laughs> um, you know, it it or it's just apropos of that you did these things that somebody thought you should do. Um, right, like as a kid, I mean, I thought having a car, like when when people would take out their keys, like. At a restaurant or mm-hmm. something. That idea of like having a car and having keys and having to like control all that was super adult. And obviously, in my life and everyone I know's life, because we live in an urban center, that is not a component of adulthood at all. Right, right. And 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 that's that's what I mean by like when you think about what are sort of the traditional markers of adulthood. It's also about a certain lifestyle. I mean, it's about owning a car and a house. Um, a house. Probably not in a city, you know, probably in a suburb, having a lawnmower, um, 
That that was actually in one of the lists that really? I looked at today. Yes. <laughs> you know, and part of that, of course, more, more than one actually. Like <clears throat> owning a lawnmower. Are, people are all about owning the lawnmower. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like the first time you have to buy a major appliance. I think yeah, and owning that's... a vacuum was another oh, really? one. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. And I'm quite certain you own a vacuum. I do Jenny. own a vacuum. Maybe no, even more than one. I do. Oh, hi. You've reached the halfway point of episode 15 of Jenny and Paul Sellout. We're talking about adulthood, which is a uh, very adult thing to do, I would say. Don't forget that you can dig deeper into all of our references using our show notes at our website, selloutpodcast.com. It would also be a very adult thing for you to rate us in the iTunes store. Just click on a star or even better, type a few words. Also, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. If you have any comments or questions for us, leave a comment at our website or on our Facebook page or drop us an old-fashioned email at selloutpodcast at gmail.com. Now back to our very adult conversation. There's these models of adulthood too, because I wonder if if for it probably depends on what you're exposed to, right? Because so like let's say you know I have a fairly uh, typical New Jersey suburban upbringing, so what I'm exposed to is primarily other kids who also had nuclear families, sometimes divorced, but but you know by and large nuclear families of some sort who owned their house, at least it seemed as though they owned owned their house as far as I knew, you know had a lawnmower, had a car. You know, mom and mom and or uh, dad had a job. You know, did their thing, and and there wasn't real. I didn't really know anybody who was an adult who didn't follow that pattern, right? I wasn't really exposed to anyone like that. Well, or positively followed that pattern. I'm sure you right. knew adults who like, you know, were did not have the money to buy a house. No, you didn't. I mean, the guy who <clears throat> works at the gas station pumps. But gas I don't really cause... know him. Oh, right. Right? I'm just saying, you know, example, so someone that, that you know, right? right? So that it's you're exposed and you would know their story to some extent. You know, and I wonder if that would be different because uh, it certainly, I think, um, you know, changes your approach. Because even like, say, going to, to college and being exposed to some faculty who didn't necessarily live exactly that sort of life, if you got to know them a little bit, you know, and, and you're like, oh, okay, you can make a different choice, you know, like my uh, film and television professor, I think. You know, nothing radical, just not, you know, didn't have a wife and kids, <laughs> you know, and you go, oh, okay, there are other ways to do this. But it, it you know, it, I do think part of it, at least for me, is not being really exposed to these things. And it, which is interesting that I didn't, I never really thought about the trappings as markers of adulthood. It was always much more about can you take responsibility for yourself? Uh, and, and sort of, you know, live your life with some degree of freedom, more or less. And But but decision-making, right? I, it's always been really big to me. Um, 
you know, especially, you know, once I was uh, out of college, you know, and, and living on my own. But would that include the decision? Like, would it be an adult thing to do to make the decision to get a lot of credit cards and run them up? No, probably <laughs> okay. not. I mean, I mean, I don't know that I, again, you know, I'm turning, I'm thinking back to then. and I'm not right. sure that, that, that it was that articulate of a notion. Sure. Right. Um, and it would definitely have been people who I would have labeled as not behaving very adult like. And who were very much adults. Uh, so, I, you know, I got involved in community radio in my early 20s and quickly uh, stumbled into being like the chairman of of, the, of a very important committee. And I was like 22, 23 and often was sitting there going, wait, you, you all know I'm 23, right? Like, really, you know, I'm 23 because you're all like 40, 50, you know, or at least 30 and you're listening to me. Well, and a lot of you are acting like children. <laughs> and that is a weird part about being an adult or not, maybe not being yeah. an adult, but aging up is like right. the idea that other adults will be like, that guy's 23. So mm-hmm. he doesn't. <laughs> right. And this is a case in which they were sort of like, uh, no, you sound all right. And when right. we all took a step back, you were still there. So <laughs> you were elected. Right. right. You're not quite, you know, realizing the dynamic. Well, I was you, in a conversation with someone. Into. Who we were discussing someone who is in that age group who is in a position that is a sucky position, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of work wise, and and someone said aloud like, "Oh yeah, he's only in that position because he's twenty three and he didn't realize that was a terrible idea." Yeah. Like soon enough, he will figure that out and then move on. Yeah, and I don't think I wasn't suckered in. I mean, it was sure. it, it wasn't quite like I that. Don't, I don't think this person was yeah. either. But I think like it's like, oh yeah, no, I mean that's the kind of decision you would make as. A but that committee hasn't right? had anyone. I mean, since then has not had anyone that young chairing it. In, right. Since. <laughs> so I guess, I, I guess my question is though, like, uh, why? I, I do you agree that in like maybe our parents or their parents generation it would not be cool I guess they wouldn't use that term to be like man I am terrible at being an adult yeah I think in part of it though is yeah it wouldn't have been cool or at the very least it wouldn't be right to admit it because that's not what you're supposed to do I just I even wonder if it would even be framed in that way though yeah. like, that, what do you mean that it wouldn't be like, oh, I'm terrible at being an adult. It might be, oh, I'm terrible at, you know, being a a housekeeper. I mean, you know, like I can't, I can't cook. I can't, you know, I can't, um, you know, maintain the household <laughs> for women, but like for men. Well, but I think it would be, you, you know, you know something be... similar. Like, you know, why can't. Why can't I get a better job? Or, or why can't you know? he hold on to a job? Right, or, right. Or things like that. No, I think it, I think it. In, in, I mean, it, and it really depends on your social milieu. But I think in sort of a, a traditional middle class white uh, social milieu, it probably would have been looked down upon. So, but then I think that the way and it, you would have cared what your neighbors think. And I do think that everyone at now, at least, is kind of like you know most people have eighty percent of it together, and then are just not that great at twenty percent. Mm-hmm. I think that's just generally. I mean, maybe those statistics aren't true, but like you know, I know friends who are really great at you know making their own lunch every day, but can't deal with a credit card for the life of them, or. Right. I know people who are great at all that stuff, but can't keep a house. Well, I think a lot of those things were hidden, right? And I think right. there's a lot of that keeping up appearances, which maybe has thankfully uh, 
become less important. I, but I think that that's a lot of it was sort of, sure, you might not have it together, but you certainly aren't going to let anyone do it. And you can see even now, you know, when you hear these debt stories, especially coming out of the after the housing crisis, of people who continued to sort of put themselves in debt because they were keeping up appearances. Right. They didn't want everyone to know that they couldn't afford to, to keep the SUV and couldn't afford to do this. So they just kept doing it. Right. But it's interesting that though you think it's maybe not as important, it is more of a signifier of something wrong with the your entire adulthood like it's no longer like man i'm just bad at finances it's i'm bad at all things adult like why do you think that it's i don't have the same impression so i i guess i I don't have a good answer but but i do i mean i don't think think that that. there is there has been a cultural shift in terms of that thinking that it is um that it is okay or at least socially acceptable to, to some extent to extend your adolescence. Right. I mean, I, yeah. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and so I think that that's where, sh- and I think that because it's become more socially acceptable to extend the adolescence, then it's a, also, then you can be like, oh, I'm terrible at being an adult. And I do think, sort of extend. I, and I get that when you put it that way, the extended adolescence, because it's a bit of it. I, I'm going to say is actually kind of fundamentally consumerist in nature, right? It's the idea of the man cave. Let's all speak for men here. Yeah. It's the idea of of right. I get I I get to be 30 years old, and I don't have to give up my toys, right? And and it seemed to to me to start kind of with the baby boomer generation. I think. Right. And, and the idea of the sort of recapturing their, their adolescence, you know, sort of saying, well, I never had to give up, you know, I mean, I may be, uh, maybe Gordon Gecko, but I don't have to give up the fact that I, uh, want to go see the Eagles now and I'm willing to pay $200 to do it, you know, and then I, and I get, you know, my big screen TV and I can now go buy that pinball machine that I loved when I was 12 years old. Right. And, and, and so I do think there's that. And I think as, as a very successful consumerist trope, the way, you know, any successful consumerist trope will always look to expand. It will always look to grow. So, you know, going from now from being sort of exclusive to sort of guys in a midlife crisis, it's gotten to the point where we can continue to sell it to guys who are 22. We can sell it to guys who are 30, who have to have now, you know, a uh, who, who have to have a man cave, this place where they can kind of go be a guy, but also sort of means being a boy, right? Yeah. It means sports. It means foosball. It, you know, it, it's very – and, of course, it's hyper-masculine, but it's all about sort of not being responsible, right? And you and, and you also have that countervailing force, you know. And you see this in in a lot of popular culture, um, you know, especially you know. And again, it's incredibly, you know, it's made very macho. This idea where, like, now I don't know where I read the stupid story, but it was about you know uh, men having to have like a shower, a baby shower too. <laughs> right, because they're lose because now they're going to be dads and they're going to lose out their freedom, man. So now they got to have so it's like, like a bachelor party. It's like a bachelor so party. So wh- what are they getting at the baby shower? Booze and drugs. Maybe? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. You know. Like, like basically, the, you're having a party. That's at, all. It really at the is. ladies' baby shower, the baby it isn't. Stuff, uh, you get things for the baby. <laughs> you get things for the so baby. You, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think these guys are out there buying onesies. Yeah, yeah they're like going on a ca- like a camping man. Yeah, or going to a strip club or some stupid thing like that. Yeah. Well, clearly you understand that. You got a lady knocked up. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't need that. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and so I think that, that I, I will have to say, I'll come in with my materialist argument here, that I do think there's a, there's a significant consumerist element to yeah, it. And yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think that it's also, um, I, I mean, because of that, there's quite a class element to it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that you have, like, I think it's a, people coming from a certain level of middle class. privilege being able to say i am a shitty adult right i i think that people because there are folks who have less money and less or come from less privilege and so have maybe don't have the same network to fall back on who don't have a choice about it so do you think part of it is an uncomfortability with aging i'm certain of it i mean i mean i can't imagine that it isn't it's hard for me to see that it's an uncomfortability with aging and probably a lot of it is an uncomfortability with it's sort of knowing what you don't want but not knowing what you do want like I don't want that. I don't want what my parents had, perhaps, or I don't want you know to 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 do to you know some children what my parent what I feel like my parents did to me. So I think sometimes people feel like I don't want a station wagon, so I yeah. have this hatchback. Yeah, or what I, <laughs> which right, is exactly. a station wagon. Yeah, exactly. Except it's more extreme for camping. Exactly. Yeah. But you know I don't want that. But then it's but I don't know what it is I want. Right. You know it's it's reaction but not action. So why can't people figure out what they want then, do you think? Well, it probably, I mean, probably part of it is a lack of a model. I mean, I'm just guessing, right? Yeah. You know, is that, so, you, you know, which which model is it you're going to choose? You know, you know, and, and, and I don't know that we have to have models, but if you know somebody who you, who you can look to, it kind of makes it easier to say, oh, I could be like, I could be like Uncle Charlie, you know, Uncle Charlie, you know, he, you know, he had a great, he seemed to be able to hold it together. He could pay his mortgage and stuff, but he never got married and he had, you know, he he just had, you know, there was a new aunt every, every six months or whatever, you know? (laughs) So your weird uncle is now the, now the model for all. It could be, but I think, I think that's true, right? You know, that, that, you know, it doesn't have to be a relative, but it's some other, and and it can be someone who comes later in life. Right. It could be somebody you meet, you know, in your 20s. It could be somebody you meet as a teenager. But I think sort of seeing other people living a lifestyle that you say, oh, wow, that's more like what I would want than what I know I really don't want. So what so I think we all agree that these markers are kind of retarded. But do you think that there's um, I mean, I think they were there to be like, you're messing up, (laughs) you know, right? Like something is going wrong in your life if you aren't married with kids and owning a house like so do you think there's viability i mean not not just for you know corporations but for do you think that yardsticks are useful anymore for that i mean how do you tell like if you're 40 and still living with your mom do you move out for the 10 years until your mom gets sick and you have to move back like do you think those are useful for actually So I mean the I I think that there is some utility to some measures um it's just a matter of what those actually are like like what is it that you're actually measuring you don't think they're universal you think they're personal y- yes or or at least like I don't think it's so individualized I think that we have certain measures for like a certain lifestyle um, but we don't have, I mean, I think this is what Paul was talking about with the idea of, of modeling, right? If I, you know, if I don't want the 2.5 kids in the suburbs with a minivan, 
wh- what is my you know what 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 is the markers that I can say oh you know I have done this um so therefore I I have you know my my life is on track right well yeah or, I think I mean I mean I guess as to what use is a yardstick well I mean I guess I feel like when you were 22 and your friend got blackout drunk three times a week mm-hmm. that wasn't great but it wasn't it wasn't something that you were like super concerned about. Whereas at like my age group, <laughs> at my age group, if I have a friend who is blacking out drunk three times a week, that's something I'm concerned about, right? right? That's a marker of some sort that's like, you're effing up your life. What's yeah. going on? So, I mean, I think there is. I mean, There's I guess- that, but that's on a negative. But so, what is the use of the yardstick on more of that? Uh, of the of the marker, right on on more of the the achievement well, might, or or accomplishment. I might say that, and I'm I'm backing up from my uh, you know <laughs> statement a few seconds ago about it not being having to be so individualized. But I I think that there is value in self reflection, and yeah. you know, and in being like, what do I want to be doing? Am I doing that? Sure, sure. You know, and you know, and I think doing it doing it on a timeline. Right. So, you know, um, at 41, am I where I want to be? Right. And if I'm not, what do I need to do to make those changes? Um, You know, over over the next 20 years, you know, where do I want to be? Right. But if you're a person, if, if you're a man child who's like, my aim is to never have to have a job. I mean, like that's. I think, yes, I agree. Well, Everyone should have in- individual reflection and individual goals. But realistically, that's not always true. But I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a, such a terrible thing if somebody just wants to be a man child yeah, and never have a exactly. job. Exactly. So, but the, the thing I'd say is. In defense of the man child. Well, it's is- not in defense of the man child. What it is to me is that. Um, responsibility and privilege are in a reciprocal relationship. And so I think the mark of maturity and so the mark of an adult is accepting that relationship. Meaning, if I want this, whatever this is, it's probably going to require responsibility on my part. Now, there are some things in which that responsibility is difficult to avoid and is very obvious. Such as, if I want to have children, I'm going to have to provide for them. I'm going to have to feed them, and I'm going to have to take care of them, right? Um, in, a, in a smaller sort of sense, if I want to have a dog, I'm going to have to take care of it. Otherwise, I'm going to have a very unhappy dog, and possibly someone's going to call the Humane Society on me, right? And in other ways, right, it's sort of then, perhaps this sort of not being an adult is really not being willing to take responsibility for the privileges you want to enjoy, so if you want to be a man-child and not have a job, that's great, but don't expect to be able to buy a projection television. <laughs> don't don't expect to be able to have But that's part of your whole season. man cave experience. Right? Well, I mean, but that's Hard. it, right? And maybe that's the problem is that you're not going to have season tickets to see the Bears if you can't pay for it. Well... Or eventually, if, if you only, you know, pay for it via credit, that's going to run out and it's really going to hurt. But I think whether it's good or not, or whether you agree it should be, I feel like there we're eventually going to come out of this whole situation with some universal or near universal like markers of adulthood. I mean, I think there, you know, when you have a kid, uh, you know, there are markers at this many weeks. They have to, yeah. they should be doing this. They should be doing that. And I don't think that's well. The legal bad. definition that's, is that you're eighteen to twenty one years old. Sure, of course, but I mean, I think there. I, I mean, even in terms of you know, the negative scenario where like, 
should I be concerned for my friend who hasn't left the house in three months because he's in his man cave? Like, I think there are some sort there we have to work through. There has to be some sort of ostensible like adulthood markers. I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I really don't. Whether we think they're correct or not, I well, think that we're going to have them. Well, I mean, yeah, whether we have them or not, but I don't want them. I mean, I think I, I'm not saying. I, I guess I'm saying, what do you think they're going to re- be revised to be? I mean, I would hope that it has much more to do with what I just said. I would hope that it would be much more of: Are you? Can you take care of yourself? Really, can you take care of yourself? Can you? You know, and 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 that being and in having wide latitude. In how you do it, you know, provided you're bringing no harm to somebody else. But if you want to live, if you, you know, if you want to live in your, in your mom's basement and she's cool with that, <laughs> right? She wants, you know, she could use the tenant. Your mom should not be cool with that, by you the know. way. Well, right. If it's, if it's a big enough house and you mow the lawn. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. But. <laughs> but then you haven't bought a, a, a lawnmower. Yeah, you're using somebody else. <laughs> really? Well, you use well maybe you did buy a one. Okay, yeah, there you go. You buy <laughs> but your if, if that's fine. But what but what ultimately happens is that you may be hurting yourself if you also, let's say, really want to have a girlfriend and it's hard to find women who who are into that, or want to have a boyfriend and right, it's right. hard to find boys who are into that. If you also want other things, that that choice makes it difficult to have. And that's part of what I mean about this whole like taking responsibility for the privileges or things you want to have is that it's it. it I, I don't have a lot of patience for people who are like, you know, who who make one choice which which is is very much to make their life easy in some way, and then are mad that they can't have this other thing and that maybe right, that's like, Well man, you know, I can't believe man, chicks don't want to date with me when they finally live with my mom's basement. Right? It's like, well, you know, you know, and maybe there are people who don't care, but you're gonna you're gonna have to work They're a lot harder. They're all not vapid bitches because they won't go on right. a date. With you're gonna have to work a whole lot harder to find somebody who's okay with that decision. Right. Right. You know, in the same way that somebody it's who's, more statistical than yeah. In the yeah. same way as if you have some really you know esoteric kink and you want someone sure. to be okay with that, you, you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have to work a lot harder to find somebody who's okay with it. Which just coincidentally having sex in in people's mom's basements. Just my thing. No, yeah, it could, it's not it, my it thing. Please do not email game. me, please. <laughs> that's right. Right. And I think I think that that's it. And and it's sort of like, you know, and or if you're somebody who doesn't really want to, you know, clean their house ever, right. then people aren't gonna want to come over your house. And right. you're just gonna have to deal with that, or sure. you're gonna have to hire a maid or learn how to clean your but house. But I think societally I mean, if you watch Hoarders, I guess, yeah. it, it it goes past, like, well, that's just a decision you're making. Sure, there's a point at which people harm themselves. Right. But, well, I mean, but who makes that decision? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, there's a point which living in your in your mom's basement probably harms you, but, yeah. like, no one's making that decision for you. I guess there's sort of material harm, and then there's sort of, <laughs> you know, stunting yourself. See, I would... And, 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 I'm not so anti living in your mom's basement. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not I think, anti. I, mean, I just think I, I mean just, I I it's think it's an easy sure. Scenario. I mean it it just it because I, I I think there there's could be a you know very viable workable situation totally where that is just the choice that is making the most sense. Agreed. You know so. Maybe you bought your mom the house, and you happen to live well, in the basement. Yeah, and, and I've known all these folks who were mostly all under thirty, but they were couples who who like moved in with with one set of parents uh, while they stayed up to buy a house. Right. I mean, I think while we, <laughs> which I also think I think in weird, our but, first, I mean, in the beginning yeah. of this, we if you're making that decision for right. some reason with your mom, 
You're making choices. Thing. You're taking right. responsibility. That's different. As opposed to the default. That as like, opposed to oh, me. I couldn't get my shit together to pay the rent. Or and, like, and, I couldn't yeah. get my shit together to get a job to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Or... Not a matter of I need to make a soft landing. Or or even like, oh, I'm going to do this for six months. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's like a, you know, there's a plan in place there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it comes down to being able to take responsibility for yourself. To, to really say, this is what I want, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get it. Or, I don't want that, and therefore, I don't want to do what it takes to get that. Whatever that means. And I think, you know, it's that that's the nice part about, I think, the trend line in, in the year since 1950. Is that, for most people, and I think this cuts quite a bit across class in other in other other uh socio- sociological markers um it's much easier to make that choice now than it was 50 years ago um but right you know it, it, it but i think it does it, it, i think having that freedom of choice means also bearing that responsibility for taking on what it meant and in many cases making the 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 conventional choice to be an adult was a non-choice but it was what you're supposed to do and you just you just bit down hard and did it. So you think we're societally making it easier for people to not make choices? Um, I don't know if we're making it easier because I, I think I would argue to an extent a lot of people who got married and had children didn't make that choice. Sure. Right. So I'm not so certain that we're making it easier. I think what it is, in fact, is that there's more choices, which probably for some people is harder than if there were that and a lot of those folks who sort of default into into stasis might have defaulted into getting married and having children because the familial and societal pressure would have been so strong for them to do so would have been well there's nothing wrong with you so we're going to hook you up and you know and of course it wasn't so long ago when those marriages would have just been arranged and you wouldn't have a choice in the matter at all but do you think like societally it's bad Based on, you know, you read... <laughs> Helen just I made a societally, face. societally, it is always bad. It is societally <laughs> bad. Um, but do you think, like, we should be coming up with ways to make this... Like, is this a problem? Is this a problem that so many... It's so much easier. It's, well, maybe not easier. It's harder to make choices. And thus, lots of people are vetoing that. Um, I don't know that lots of people are. I mean, I don't I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced of the statistic. Uh, I, I, I am convinced that people are taking notice of it, but I'm not convinced yet that it is a problem or a statistic. Because um, I know plenty of people who are who seem to be able to take care of themselves just fine. Sure. I mean, I think there's, I, both of you being in higher education, I think there's tons of stories of people who, you know, adults who go to college but then don't know how to do anything and their parents have to, like helicopter you know the yeah helicopter. yeah but that i mean i think that's been going on forever i'm not sure that that's that's new you think you really think like to the extent it is going on now no i mean going on forever no well i not i don't want to i don't think this should be necessarily mixed up with helicopter parents because mm-hmm. uh, i'm not sure this is the same exact phenomenon right because i think sometimes it's parentally driven not child driven and i'm not sure the parents are doing their children a favor but I'm not, I don't want to necessarily mix up these things, but there were plenty of kids I knew in college and I just went to a sort of average state school whose parents were taking care of a whole lot of stuff for them. Sure. But I mean, I think, do you think that, uh, people who are raising kids right now are sort of not, not aiming for their kids to make those milestones? Do you think that's important anymore for people raising kids? I'm certain it's important. 
And I think that part of the reason that they're helicoptering is to really make sure it happens. Even <laughs> if maybe that isn't, maybe even if they're, they're actually screwing it up <laughs> as opposed to helping. Right. You know, but, uh, most of the, I don't know. And it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that though. I wondered to what extent some of these folks who, who get aimless were over parented, you know, as opposed to under parented. <laughs> well, the very fact that you couldn't like move into your parents' basement in well, that scenario. In that scenario. But assuming that's it. But then, you know, there's plenty of people who, you know, have a room, you know, somewhere that they, you know, with, right. and, and maybe, you know, the other residents of the house are like, you know, 20 and they're 30, but, they can cough up to two fifty a month. Well, and that is always like I think perennially a New York Times story too, like that people are living in New York with roommates until the time they're yeah, right. question mark because there's no or San Francisco mm-hmm. or other urban centers. Um, that it's sort of living in that city uh makes you not have to or unable to right. do that. It's just simple economics is right. too expensive. But you know, on the flip side, I think that what I, I think I'm seeing is a lot more models for people to be responsible for themselves, adults in quotes, without having to go the conventional route, right? You know, they're, you know, plus side of this sort of the the DIY movement, right? And sort of things like Etsy and all this crafting and all and craft beer and all this is people figuring out these other ways of of making a living. You know, in other ways of like doing something really productive with their time and their effort, but that doesn't necessarily have to follow directly in the conventional model, right? And I think we're seeing more people, you know, who can be seen as examples. And I think, you know, we, that's partially the benefit of a very multimediated culture. But um, I do see that. And I think that that helps giving, it helps to give some people that ex, that choice that maybe they didn't realize they had. That helps kind of figure out what they want to do as opposed to just what they don't want to do. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not so convinced there's such a problem, but maybe I'm too old, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, well, you are convinced that like the news says there's a problem. Like well, I mean, is, convinced the New York times style. I'm not, section. Saying, I'm not saying that that, that makes it, that is equatable, but I'm saying like, I, I feel like there's all these news stories about like, uh, people. I mean, even to the extent where it's like, people in our age group having children and they're and expecting yeah. their parents to take to basically take care of them and raise is that kids. happening yeah that's like a thing now okay. yeah, see, I, and I, these I, grandparents I'm, who are like no i raised kids like, i just don't know <laughs> about these fucking trend stories yeah, you know you i mean to know more about these trend stories you should listen to our podcast i should <laughs> because i mean the thing about these trend stories is that there's a voracious appetite for them and 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 all the more so when when your audience is no longer even just the people who read your daily newspaper delivered to their front door, but when you have a global audience, the need to find these trends and to sort of, you know, get the bloggers, you know, to get people a little outraged is, is there is important, you know? And so, and especially when you talk talk about the style section, there's uh, a much lower journalistic threshold. Sure. Like, I mean, I know. don't think this is in the style section. These are okay. things in like, These are like you know, new actual newspapers. demographic stories. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I'm, you know, I, I, I wonder, you know, uh, about it, whether it is, whether they, the, it is happening and it is so different than it ever was before. Admitting that I do think the options for choosing a different version of adulthood are much uh, more available than they were before well so in this extended adolescence thing do you are you like saying adulthood is now 
just, you know, is there a certain age you think of or do you think of it 21. as? <laughs> 21 and five days, actually. Um, for me, I you have, to, you have to sober up from them. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't I don't think of it necessarily as a as an age. I do. I mean, I think of it more in terms of are you taking taking responsibility for yourself um and i suppose i i do think about it in terms of financial independence so that you are you know earning money um and or you know or have a trust fund and don't or, have to worry about or, it or or at least able to moderate based upon what your trust fund has in it <laughs> you mean so make um, your trust fund work for you rather than right. spending it all in in five years right um because we all have known people who have blown through a trust fund that wasn't set up as, that is like, like the most obnoxious thing ever mm-hmm. i mean it's not it's ob- mm-hmm. but like the idea that you're like we all know someone who's blown through their trust fund come on i mean i have to say if i mean if so if i'm meet a person and i know a person and and and, and gonna have some relationship with them and that could be friends right that could be uh business uh-huh. you know maybe someone i'm going to work with maybe someone i'm going to hire um i'm going to and, and you are an adult from the standpoint of you were 21 years or older i'm going to have expectations of your behavior and if you can't behave in that way i don't want to be around you Right. What? So those expectations being being that you can that uh, you can take responsibility for yourself. Right. But so if so so if you're working for me, and you and you agree to have a schedule, you keep that schedule. Um, if you are a friend of mine, it's you know the the, the standards are different because we don't have the same sort of relationship. But it would mean probably that in general, you're if we if we make plans, you're able to keep them. You know. You know. And. and you're not shady about the bill. Yeah, not yeah, right. Uh, you know, I don't have to sort of pay for you every day. You're not kind of trying to s- slip out and not pay on group bills, right? Exactly. And so, you know, and, or you'd be straightforward. Hey, man, up. Oh, look, I, at the end of the month, I'm, I'm strapped. Can you can you cover me? Versus, hmm, I wait. Did everyone put in? And mm, not me, not me, not that kind of behavior, right? And and that's for me. And that you know, it's sort of a personal standard. I don't expect other people to have it, but I also don't feel like I have to be obligated to be. F- to hang out and be friends with someone who can't meet that standard. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I was just going to say that, um, yes, I agree. I mean, I, I <laughs> although I, I, I don't put it in, in, in like necessarily such a hard, and I, I don't think that you did either, Paul, like, uh, like at this age, I expect this of you. Right, because do I expect something completely different of a twenty-year-old than I do of a twenty-one-year-old that I do of a twenty-two-year-old? Not really. Not really. I mean, you know, maybe a little bit. Like I'll, but you know, it's like, so yeah, somebody like I would say eighteen to twenty-two, eighteen to twenty-four. I expect you know, you know, it would be a little more forgiving that you're just starting to try out. You yeah, know, I guess your so. adultness. I think that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, much much past twenty four. I start to think you've been able to try out your adultness for a few years now. You should be acting on it a little a little better. What do you think, Jenny? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out like if you if someone who is forty five does the same thing as you know if they commit some sort of non adult behavior. 
you're judging them more harshly than you yeah know. you're probably right i mean i think i would have to cop to that as much as i'm sort of yeah i will i will judge them and it will affect the degree to which i want to be associated with them right well but you're well, what, so what about you though well i don't know i mean you're still out, i guess what i'm trying to you're still outlining outlining sort of universal adult markers sure. fine Right. Yes, I know, I know you don't want to. Oh, but yeah, you sort no. of are. oh no, but so but what, what 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 is what is my you know universal adult marker would be I mean the only thing that I think that I could come up with is is financial independence. Okay. Um but uh at least general like just, you know, everyone's got a hard time like right 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 but you know i'm i'm making the attempt. I'm making trying. the attempt to meet my rent and if that means that I have to have four roommates I have four roommates, um, you know, and, uh, and I, and I, I wouldn't like, I was thinking about this today. Um, I, you know, would, you know, for the person who gets, you know, fairly large birthday checks from their parents, you know, or, you know, or, or Christmas checks or their parents fly them home for Christmas. Um, you know, do I, do I count that against them? And I, I would, and I would say I would tend not to in terms of, like, if the person was, like, otherwise, like, like it's not like they're relying on that check to do these things, but right. that this is the parent, I think, still wanting to be like, hey, I still want to be able to give you some sure. things. This is so judgy, though. I mean, like, it's inherently so... Judge, like, do I count that against them? Is what you just said. Well, think, but but it's so, but it only it only matters I mean, to the extent to which you do. No, I mean, I person. don't think you're a judgy person. I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's interesting to me that it is still like, and that's why I think those like universal markers are so. I mean, yeah. and that's why we hate them now is because like, oh, I'm judged because I don't have a child or I'm not married or I don't. But uh, so, who's not an adult to you? I don't. Well, I don't know. Who I don't mean, don't you want to hang out with? Who don't I want to hang out with? <laughs> Who are, you, who are you judgy about? Um, yeah, it's true. It's well, I mean, I think the only clear example I have recently had is is several years ago. But I did go out to dinner with some friends' friends, and they like couldn't act properly in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I did really feel super old. Like I was like, just be quiet and normal in a restaurant, you know. And and that's not even like one of those. Things but that's that a case would... in which they're sort of they're they're infringing on other people's. Yeah, uh, you know, enjoyment at that point. Right. And I, I definitely do think like respectfulness of other people is a yeah. key factor here or like uh, realization. I mean, I do definitely think all of like growing up, you know, when you're like three, there's no concept of anything happening outside of yourself. So I do think there is some element of that, which is like, oh, this isn't all about me necessarily or even my friends or, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. I do agree with the financial independence, though. I think that's good. I think that's a good marker. All right. So uh, we hope all of our listeners are financially independent. Yeah. In some way, shape, or that form. That makes it sound like we're going to do a even, pledge drive of some sort. Oh, no, we should. Even better if they money. were, like, um, you know, independently wealthy. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're willing to share something. If you've not blown your trust fund. We're going to get that PayPal donate button in the and Amazon you, gift list. We'll yeah. Like, like a cam girl. Yeah. And so maybe you live in a mansion you purchased for your mother. Mm-hmm. You live in the basement of that mansion. Garden level. Garden level, sorry. Be like, be like Elvis. <laughs> right, right. You're just a good good person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do we have a thing, thing of the week? I have a thing. Okay, have what's a thing. your thing? So I've, I've been recently converted to the cult of Adventure Time. Have you guys seen Adventure Time? 
it's um it's appropriate that Ellen is here because um it's on Adult Swim, and I Ellen and I have discussed I frequently have issues with their shows because you know they just sort of go nowhere and are super random and I feel like they're for man children who are high in their mom's mm-hmm. basement, um because there's just nothing there's just confusion but it is it has a real story and it's very funny and it's super pop culture referential it's a cartoon that's about um this candy world they uh, it's a land kind of a candy land world uh the candy kingdom um run by princess bubblegum and uh she uh there are the the two main characters are finn and jake finn is a human he is kind of the last human of the realm and jake is a shape-shifting dog and they are adventurers and they just adventure for good things and so there are lots of princesses that they have to save, of course, because princesses are always princesses are not adults. I will point out they are always needing their ass saved. I mean, so, look at Kate Middleton. I, <laughs> it's true. They always need help. So um, but through it, the reason I started watching it as a friend uh, mentioned, there was a lot of sub subplot about um about uh, the pickup artistry scene, <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. And it really looks like a children's. And I like by my description, you can see it's like, pickup artistry, not adult, not adults, not adults. Um, so you know, you can you can see it's like it sounds and looks very adorable and childlike. But what they actually talk about is, and is it's, it profane? Because a lot of adults swim in. Not really. really I mean, I think there are there are like when he shouts things out, he'll shout things out that are that would seem like it would be profane, but he'll be like algebra. I see. So I mean, it's totally watchable by kids. I could see how kids would like it because it's just really cool to watch. If you're, you know, it's adorable. Um, but it the references are really funny and kind of like under under wraps. So. I'll do, all right, Adventure Time it. on Adventure the Adult Time. Swim. Uh. You know, I thought I was over it, but I, I've been I, I've gotten back on it. I've been on a real Roxy music thing. Just way into Roxy music. Lately. What started this? <sighs> I don't know. Um it it it's sort of the uh it it must be the Brian Eno thing, right? So Brian Eno with the Roxy Music, a seventies art rock band, probably considered many, many one of the really first art rock bands. It wasn't just uh prog rock. A real pop sensibility, you know, with Brian Eno, who uh, went on to sort of invent ambient music, and then Brian Ferry, who would sort of go on to inspire the new romantic movement in uh, in British pop music. And, uh, yeah, I like this meeting of the real experimental edge, tape loops and crazy noises and things, with also trying to make catchy pop music. And the tension, because there was only two records where both Brian's were on it. And, and they're really good. And then there's a couple other decent records. And then they would go on to make kind of schmaltzy pop music in the 80s. But I don't know. The, the whole... It, the music's really good, first of all. But yeah, it, I, there's a lot of layers. And it, you just keep sort of discovering it. You know, there's one music, one song on their second album, which is a uh, romantic ballad about a, um inflatable doll, uh, for instance. But you know, which which you, it's not too hidden, but you still got to pay a little bit of attention to pick up on it. So yeah, and I, I recently picked, I got the first four records on vinyl, so um, that really kind of kicked it up in overdrive. And then so I thought I'd burn myself out on it because it, it didn't take a lot for me to get burned out on 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 listening to music. Like I can't listen to the same thing all the time. But then I got back into it. Ellen, do you have a thing? 
it's something you like. Something Things we real, like. Thing, a thing you're really into right now that you can recommend. Um, Could be anything. I don't know that there's a thing that I'm really into right now that I can recommend. Uh huh. But the thing that I am really into right now. I will, I will point and, out Cyrus's suggestion was blender noise. Uh, and and so, it was blenders. It was blenders, but noise, based based on their noise. Everything, yeah. So I mean, yeah. you've only up oh, from oh there. Oh no, um, that uh, and this is a, this is a you know, I am late to the bandwagon of this. It is a it is a bandwagon thing, absolutely. Um, and that's the Angry Birds. You love Angry Birds. I love the Angry Birds, especially Angry Birds Star Wars. Really? So yeah. what's the difference between... I I'm, I don't know. I've never played regular Angry Birds. Oh, only Angry Birds Star Wars. <laughs> and Angry Birds Space. <laughs> Does it take place in a Star Wars... Yes. There's okay. a there's a Wookiee bird. A okay. Han Solo bird. Oh, that's... that's... George Lucas loves money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. <laughs> you know, a um, an Obi-Wan Kenobi bird so you... that I can't quite figure out how he actually works but um so do you feel that the star wars element is what partially got you in probably that and you finally got a tablet i got a tablet and then it was like recommended you know like you should have this app and you thought i'm not gonna be and i was like there's only so much to draw something i can do because i always have to wait for the next person to actually draw yeah or or paul who hasn't (laughs) drawn anything for days because he didn't like the game so much um, I just ran out of time. It was easy when I were at my parents. I didn't have anything to do. So then I, I love drawing something. Um, you know, I always like the like the, the silly little game that you can just play by yourself. Like I'm not big on complicated games. I'm not big on like you know like a massive multiplayer game. Like that doesn't hold any interest to me. But like simple, easy to figure out, and I can play it for two minutes, or I can play it for four hours. That's that's the kind of game for me. Angry right. Birds. Angry Birds in Space. Casual gaming is where the industry's going. It is. All right. So uh, you all need to go to our Facebook page and post something there. You know, give us some, you know, it's a, it shouldn't just be a one-way thing. So it's Facebook.com, uh, set out podcast. Tell us that you live with your mom and you're angry. Yeah. You're angry about it. Yeah. Tell us we're wrong. Give uh, rate us on iTunes. You could put it. You could put a nasty review because you live in your in the ba- in your mom's basement. There at the iTunes, and uh, send, us an, send us an email. Do we ever? I never check the email. Account, I do. do I do check the email. We get a lot of Twitter followers. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for good. following us. Yes. Here yeah. we go. So. Uh, yeah, it, or you know, hand me an index card on public <laughs> transportation. <laughs> if they, yeah, I guess they, we do link to your your personal website, so they should be able to yeah. figure out what you look like. So if they see you in the public transport, I'm pretty visible. You're pretty visible with the pink hair. Yeah. yeah. So. Hand me an index card. All right, I think I think we've done it. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Paul. Uh, uh, thank you, myself. <laughs> yes. Thank no you, thanks Paul. to you, Ellen. No, no thanks, thanks to thank me, you, Ellen. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Ellen. <laughs>